Christmas will be here before you know it. So now is the time to prepare your heart with a timeless devotional written by Dr. David Jeremiah called Season of Joy. Enter the Christmas season with restored hope, resounding joy, reassuring peace, and renewed faith. This inspirational book is yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive a four-pack to share the season of joy with others. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. The very idea of the incarnation, of God taking human form, ought to inspire awe and wonder far beyond Christmas. Do you need some help in that area? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah continues his look at what it really means that God became one of us on that first Christmas and how that can impact your celebration. With the conclusion of The Wonder of Christmas, here's David. I told you yesterday how much I love Christmas and how much we celebrate it, not just in our home, but in our church. We have a huge Christmas tree on our campus. We have constant music throughout the whole month of December, special musical guests and pageants and school plays and everything you can imagine. To say how much we appreciate the fact that God so loved us that He sent His Son to be our Savior. Surely that's the Christmas message, if there is one ever to be celebrated, that's the one. And during this year, uh, in Times Square, through the uh, generosity of a businessman, we have a Christmas message up on one of the big screens there throughout the whole month of December, even into the new year. It's a real interesting thing to realize how hard we have to work each year to make sure we keep Christ in Christmas. He's pushed to the curb on many occasions. But here at Turning Point at Shadow Mountain Church in our hearts, we know the meaning of this season, that God has come to be with us through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, if you haven't already ordered the devotional for the new year, I'm going to keep telling you about it every day until I can't tell you about it anymore. It is a beautiful 392-page devotional guaranteed to help you get started right every day in the new year, a devotional reading for every single day. And we want you to have this beautiful devotional as a thank you for your year-end gift to Turning Point. Each year, we tell you that in June and in December, we make a very special uh, invitation to everyone to jump in and help us with a a great year-end gift to get us going for the new fiscal year and for the new calendar year. So it's time for that now, and I hope you will join us as we have an ingathering of funds to assure that we end up 2023 strong and prepared to enter 24 uh, with every possibility open to us as we serve the Lord. Thank you for your gift. And to say that in a more tangible way, simply ask for the devotional Walking with Jesus, and it will be on its way to you before you know it. Let's get started with part two of The Wonder of Christmas. Over the years as I have read about the Incarnation, I have found writer after writer who has ended up at this point of just astonishment at this doctrine. Not so much to explain it, because it's almost unexplainable. There's never been anything like it. There's no precedent for the Incarnation. God becoming a man. In his famous book, Mere Christianity, 
C.S. Lewis wrote this, the second person in God, the Son, became human himself, was born into the world as an actual man, a real man of particular height, with hair of a particular color, speaking a particular language, weighing so many pounds, the eternal being who knows everything and who created the whole universe became not only a man, but before that a baby, and even before that a fetus inside a woman's body. God becoming man. Frederick Buchner says, the claim that Christianity makes for Christmas is that a particular time and place, God came to be with us himself. When Quirinius was governor of Syria in a town called Bethlehem, a child was born who beyond the power of anyone to account for was the high and lofty one made low and helpless. The one whom inhabits eternity comes to dwell in time. The one whom none can look upon and live is delivered in a stable under the soft indifferent gaze of cattle. The father of all mercy puts himself at the mercy of us all. Find there's the way St. Augustine wrote about it more than 1,500 years ago when he contemplated it. He said this, listen carefully to these words. Man's maker was made man, that he, the ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast, that the bread might hunger, that the fountain might thirst, that the light might sleep, that the way might be tired in its journey, that the truth might be accused of false witnesses, that the teacher might be beaten of whips, that the foundation might be suspended on wood, that strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded, and that life might die. There's a disconnect in every one of those phrases if you want to accept that in the normal way. But it isn't normal. It's mysterious. It's beyond anything we've ever tried to complicate in our own lives with our words. When we try to explain it, we lose the wonder of it. It is just true. God became man. He became one of us. I used to say, people, look at your neighbor. God became someone just like your neighbor, only better looking. (laughs) God became one of us. I don't know what you think when you hear all these words by men, but they stretch my mind to the breaking point. How many of you know that if you could understand everything about God and his plan of redemption, wouldn't be much of a God, would it? God is higher than we are. His words beyond our comprehension often. He's a God who has revealed himself to us in his son, but there's so much of God that we don't understand and we'll never understand until we get to heaven someday. There is nothing you can compare it to. The God of the universe, the creator of all, ordained in his wisdom to come down to earth and confine himself to a human body like yours and mine and to walk among us so that he might ultimately go to a cross and die for us. Let us wonder at the mystery of Christmas. And let us wonder at the meaning of it as well. I do not believe we will ever be able to fully comprehend the mystery of the incarnation even in heaven. But I do believe we can discover the meaning of it. In the simplest terms, the incarnation, the coming of Christ, means that God is with us and that God is for us. 
Over the years as a pastor, I have run into a lot of people who view God as an angry tyrant who's waiting to jump on them as soon as they do something wrong. And you know what the tragedy of that is? Oftentimes that translates into family relationships as well. I've had people say to me, I can't worship the Father. Do you know what my Father is like? But the Bible never presents a God like that. The Bible says that Jesus did not come into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The Bible tells us that God is love, and that if we know God as God is, we will know a loving God. I do not believe we can discover the meaning of Christmas if we don't understand that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God is with us, and God is for us. Let me say that to you personally. God is with you, and God is for you. He's on your side. He wants you to be everything you were meant to be. God is for you. And God is not distant. He is here. He is with us. He's not unapproachable, unreachable. He has reached down to us through his son, the Lord Jesus. He has revealed himself to us in the only kind of persons we know, human persons. God didn't just send us a message in the Bible. He sent us his own son. His son is the message. He sent us his son so that we could know him, so that we could know how much he loves us. Friends, I want you to know the meaning of Christmas is awesome. It is so life-changing. First of all, because of Christmas, you can live boldly. If you really understand what Christmas is all about, you can have a bold way of looking at life. I want to read a scripture to you. First, the way it normally reads, and then I want to read it to you the way I believe it should be read. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, He, God himself, has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Here is how we should read these verses. What God has said about himself and his presence with us, he has said to us so that you and I might be able to say, I don't have to be afraid What can man do to me? I have the Lord with me. In these days when fear seems to dominate so many places, what a joy it is to know that the God of heaven, the creator of the universe, has come down in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and when we accept him as our Savior, The same mystery of his coming into this world is expressed in his coming into our lives. He comes to live within us, and through his spirit, he inhabits us so that we are walking around in this ugly, mixed-up, sometimes fear-causing world. We have a smile on our face because the Lord Jesus Christ lives within us, and we do not have to be afraid. Psalm 27 contains a similar truth. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And throughout the Bible, if you read it with this in mind, you will see this everywhere. Psalm 118, verse 6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? It's kind of like almost sarcastic, isn't it? 
You say you're coming after me? The Lord's on my side. You don't want to come after me. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side. Here is the truth of Christmas brought down to the everyday experience of each one of us. When we're in difficult circumstances, we are never there alone. He is with us. His promise that a part of his coming to be one of us is that he might be with us in the midst of our challenges. In the Christmas rush, in the disappointment of the year, in the preparation of the new year, in all of the things that touch our lives, he is there. He is there with us. On a September morning back in 2001, as he was searching for bodies amid the wreckage of the Twin Towers, Frank Silicia stumbled across a 22-foot tall steel beam cross. Some of you remember this. The collapse of Tower 1 on Building 6 had created a chamber in the clutter, and through the dusty sunrise, Frank spotted this cross. No winch had hoisted it. No cement had secured it. The iron beams stood independent of human help. Several days later, engineers realized the beams of the large cross came from two different buildings. When one crashed into another, the two girders bonded into one, forged by the fire. And when people would ask, where is God at 9-11? Where is the Almighty in the midst of all the trouble? Frank and his friends would say, the cross is in the midst of the crisis. He's always there. Christ is in the midst of the crisis. He's come down for that purpose. How wonderful it is to know that while we don't know what the future holds, we know who holds the future. And we know that we can walk into the future with joy. Ladies and gentlemen, let Christmas be a time of joy. If you know Jesus Christ, it's a time of joy. I know you have problems. I have a few myself. But I choose joy. I choose the joy of an eternal reminder that whatever is happening here, he is with us, and what happens next is better than what's going on now. Oh, the joy that should fill us. Max Lucado wrote it this way. He said, God gets into things, doesn't he? He gets into the Red Sea. He gets into big fish. He gets into lion's dens and furnaces. God gets into bankrupt businesses and jail cells and Judean weddings and funerals and Galilean tempests. Look and you will find what everyone from Moses to Martha has discovered. God is in the midst of your storms. One of the blessings of knowing that God is with us, one of the things that thrills my heart is that he is here to help us, not only in the good times, but to help us in the difficult times. I'm pretty sure I speak to some today who are in circumstances like that right now. Maybe you've been feeling particularly alone during the season, wondering if you're going to be left to carry all this by yourself. I promise you, if you know the one of whom I am speaking, you are not alone. You are never alone. He has promised to be with you. Because of Christmas, you can live boldly, but because of Christmas, you can live victoriously. There's a marvelous passage of Scripture once again in the book of Hebrews. Here we are told about the lifestyle 
of this one who came to be one of us. Here's what it says about him. He's the high priest. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet apart from sin. What that says is that Jesus Christ came here not just to be our Savior, but to walk on this earth and live with us. And as he lived with us on this earth, he experienced everything we experienced. The Bible says there's no temptation that you and I have ever faced that he did not face. And he was victorious over them. He lived through those temptations, yet he did not sin. Some people say, well, if he couldn't sin, how could that be a temptation? Well, the thing is, he faced all temptations to the ultimate limit because he never gave in to any of them. We face lots of temptations, but we never face the full force of them because we give in before the full force has come. Jesus faced the full force of every temptation, and he never once yielded to temptation. And the Bible tells us he's come to show us how we can live victorious over temptation. The Bible says, there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted beyond your ability, but will also give you what you need to get through it. We can live victoriously, and then, because of Christmas, we can be holy. Someone has called the pastoral epistles, Paul's letters to Timothy and Titus, someone called those books the Christmas epistles. Because in these letters, more than any other, Paul connects salvation to the Christian life, to Christmas, to the incarnation. It's really interesting. If you look at these verses, you will see, and I'll show you how this works. Titus 2 says, the grace of God has appeared. When did that happen? When Jesus was born. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all and teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I know this sounds almost impossible when you look at the environment in which we are currently living, that we can be holy people, not perfect people, but holy people, People who understand what good is and what evil is. You know, the Bible says there's going to be a day in the future when people will call good evil and evil good. Does it not seem like we're almost there or at least on the edge of it or maybe in the middle of it? Who knows? But godly people, people who know Christ, know the difference between good and evil. And because Jesus has come to live within us, I used to tell people that when you become a Christian, God gives you an automatic sin alarm system. And when you start to do something that God doesn't want you to do, that little alarm system goes off. Can I get a witness? You say, I didn't have that before. No, you didn't have an alarm. You get the alarm system. It's part of the original equipment of salvation. God puts it in there. Isn't that wonderful? So that when you're walking along and you're trying to live right and you start to, oh, wait a minute. I've had people come to me and say, you know, Pastor Jeremiah, since I became a Christian, I stopped doing this, 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 and this. And I thought, I haven't preached on any of that. But you know what? The Holy Spirit's the best preacher in the whole world. 
The Bible says he's come to convict us of sin. And when we get saved, when we become Christians, we get that automatic sin alarm system. Mostly it's called a conscience that helps us understand right from wrong. So because of Christmas, you can live boldly. Because of Christmas, you can be victorious. And because of Christmas, you can be holy. Let me try to wrap this all up in this simple story. Imagine that you are visiting a hospital. You cannot find a parking place close to the hospital, so you park way in the back. And now that you get out of your car, you're so far away from the hospital that you are lost. Finally, you stop another driver in the lot to ask directions, and he kindly says that he will just park beside you and then walk with you to where you need to be in the hospital. One of the best days of your life. Now suppose that as you get to the front of the hospital, you find out that this man is actually the chief surgeon of the hospital. And as you near the door, he adds, and oh yes, this is my parking place right here, right next to the door. He had a superior advantage because of his status. But in deference to your need, he did not take his rightful parking spot, but walked with you the whole way. Let me ask you a question. As he was walking with you, did he stop being a doctor? Of course not. Did he have a parking place? Yes. He had all of these things and at any time could have laid hold of those things and used them. But for your sake... He just chose not to do it in that particular moment. As thin as this metaphor is, it illustrates that Christ walking among human beings did not mean he was not God. Then why did he not reverse his tiredness? Why did he not overcome all of his physical limitations? Because if he were to override his humanity, he would not have been fully in the form of man and therefore could not have fully empathized with our weakness or save us with his life. The incarnation was not just an event at Bethlehem. The incarnation was the moment-by-moment choice of Christ to lay down his privileges, to lay down the rights he had as God, and to acquiesce to ungrateful sinners every second in order to affect our salvation. He loves you that much. That he would lay aside, the Bible says in Philippians, he laid aside his privileges, his reputation. The theological way to say it is, he voluntarily gave up the independent use of his attributes. That he might identify with us. So it is true to say, we do not have a high priest who cannot identify with our problems. And the Bible tells us that we're to come boldly to the throne of grace so that we can ask for help in the time of need. Christmas means that God is here. He is with us. He is here today. He is in this room. He is in the heart of every believer. And the Bible tells us his manifest presence is with us when we worship and praise him. So as ragged as Christmas can be, as hard as it can be, and I know you can't find the things you're looking for, as frustrating as this season can be sometimes, when you feel the twinge of frustration, stop 
and just say, Lord, I shouldn't be frustrated about this. Look what you did for me. I have the greatest gift that's ever been given by the greatest giver who ever was, the gift of God in eternal life through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. Amen. And friends, hey, uh, this is a great opportunity for you to join with us in our quest to take the Word of God to the world. If you haven't given a gift to Turning Point in recent days, this would be a good time to do it. Your year-end gift can make such a big difference as we gather all of these gifts together uh, to make it very possible for us to be strong at the end and strong at the beginning so that Turning Point doesn't miss any opportunities to share the gospel wherever we are given the opportunity to do so. Thank you for your investment. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your dedication and generosity. And to say that in a more tangible way, we want to send you next year's devotional guide that will take you through the entire year with a devotional reading for every day, 366 days. It's leap year, friends. And there's a leap year devotional in this devotional for you. Ask for it when you send your gift today. And thank you so much for your investment. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's special messages for Christmas, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new 365-day devotional for 2024 walking with Jesus. It's sure to inspire you through the year ahead, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow for more of our special Christmas message on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. Do you believe Jesus is with you in every moment? One of the best ways to instill this truth is by spending time in reflection and prayer. Dr. David Jeremiah makes this easy with his new 365-day devotional called Walking with Jesus. This exclusive book is available for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a donation of $120 or more, you'll receive the devotional four-pack, perfect for gifting. Learn more when you visit davidjeremiah.ca. Two of my favorite characters in the Christmas story are Anna and Simeon, two elderly saints who were among the first to see Jesus publicly. Mary and Joseph had taken Jesus up to the temple in Jerusalem a few weeks after he was born, and there Simeon and Anna saw him and recognized him immediately. 
They had been waiting all of their lives for the birth of the Messiah, and they knew Jesus was Him. I think a lot of people don't see Jesus at Christmas because they're not looking for Him. When we look with eyes of faith, we see things we might otherwise overlook. And if there's one person we ought not overlook at Christmas, it's Jesus. This is David Jeremiah, and that is the Christmas story on Route 66. Driving the word home this Christmas on Route 66. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Start your journey home today.